I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this is Megan Parisi of Samuel Adams. There have been times where I've thought of, like, maybe, you know, doing more management, less brewing, whatever. And I always kind of come back to, as much as my, you know, back and feet and neck and shoulders and everything are still sore, I just kind of love doing the work. Uh, actually, actually creating, creating something. Our full conversation is coming up next, but first, this episode is brought to you by Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a group of brick-and-mortar craft beer retail stores, and in some states, tap rooms, offering amazing beer, hospitality, and beer education. Beer geeks are welcome. Beer is a creation of craft, hundreds of years old, still evolving. Its creators are artisans, fusing simple ingredients to create something inspiring, eye-opening, and revolutionary. Craft beer is more than ABV and IBUs. It's about passion, community, craft, and beer love. Beer love is at the core and center of every craft beer seller. Visit a craft beer seller location near you. You'll find them in 15 states across the U.S. And for hours and directions to a craft beer seller, visit craftbeerseller.com. And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. So there's an awful lot of fun that can happen with brewing on a small batch system. And when you have the resources of one of the country's biggest brewing companies behind you, the possibilities are limitless. That's the situation this week's guest finds herself in. Megan Preece has been with the Boston Beer Company for several years now, specifically working on the company Samuel Adam Boston Breweries in Jamaica Plain. There, while headed up the Nano Brewery, she was able to experiment and do research and development on all manners of styles, including some that wound up getting full commercial releases, including the brewery's New England IPA. So when it came time to open up this new brewery and taproom in Faneuil Hall, Preece was obviously the right brewer for the job. She has experience opening up breweries from the ground up, including Blue Jacket in Washington, D.C., and Sam Adams' new, smaller Cincinnati facility. In this interview, we talk about recipe development, brewing in front of the public, education, and the relationship between beer and art. It was recorded at the new brewery and taproom just hours before it officially opened to the public. And since it's not only a fully functional brewery, but also a really wonderful showpiece, I started off by asking Parisi about the specific specs of the brewery. Here's our conversation. We have a five hectoliter, four vessel Browcon fully automated system, which, you know, for some people might sound, <laughs> you know, a little bit of overkill for it's, a system of it, that size. It's fancy. It is fancy. It's fancy. But the, you know, companies like, you know, like Browcon, when we first started talking to them several years ago about systems this size, it was a newer venture to them. But when we went over there earlier this year to, do the factory acceptance test on this system. I was surprised at the number of small systems they were working on. These are becoming more common because it's it's a, it's sizes that, you know, that smaller breweries are looking to install and are looking for the kind of automation uh, and quality that you know, that uh, companies like Browcon can deliver. So it's not such a new idea to them anymore and things are getting, you know, very dialed in. But it's a new idea I think for a brewery this size. Like people think of Sam Adams. It's the second largest craft brewery. It's one of the largest breweries in mm-hmm. America. 
to come down to the small scale is it, I don't know when you were having these conversations when when you all were getting ready to open up here was it this is the way that the model is going it is the small tap rooms I mean they are you know people are more likely to go to a tap room maybe than they are to go to the local corner store and buy a six pack where that's where a lot of the the you know the Boston beers mm-hmm. Boston beer beers were doing well for so long and still are but like it's it's breweries as destinations these days. In a way, though, it's kind of for us. It's almost a little more return to our roots. Uh, the you know our our R and D brewery in Jamaica Plain, where I spent the past you know near five years before coming over here. Yeah, it's a it's a ten barrel system that was where everything except Boston Lager has begun. Every beer has you know has started there, and that's where. You know, Every recipe had to, you know had to get created there, so it's you know it's a space full of innovation and a relatively, you know, small system—the kind of system that you're used to seeing in you know, the average brew pub over the past you know 15, 20 years. That would be that that kind of system. So even though our production has expanded, uh, you know, at our at our larger breweries, this is kind of still the heart you know, that 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 small smaller scale, really creative, innovative, throwing ideas against the wall and seeing what sticks. So it actually really brings us back to our roots, I feel. So with the 10-barrel system, though, which any, anybody who's taken the tour uh, at Jamaica Point has seen, mm-hmm. um, you've spent a lot of time in the last five or so years uh, in, like, a back room where there's, like, an even smaller system. Yes, in our, our nano brewery. So uh, for many years, the 10-barrel system was the only innovation system that we had if we wanted to start a new recipe everything was a 10 barrel batch yeah. about seven eight years ago we you know we put in a nano brewery which was a you know at, at the time was still a little 25 gallon you know i was really gonna say it, it, it's actual system. it's like the actual definition of nano, of not, nano. yeah yes it was an actual like you know super small you know some people you know the type of brewery that you've seen for you know for sale on you know a lot of you know a lot of homebrew you know advanced very advanced homebrew sites so we were that gave us a lot more flexibility to, to take a little more, you know, take some more chances and do, you know, do some smaller batches, smaller volumes and do multiple, multiple, you know, variations that you, know, you can't necessarily do even at the 10 barrel volume. Even when you, you know, compare that to our, you know, our, you know, annual production, 10 barrels, it's still a lot of beer. And if you're just, you know, going at it as here's our first pass at something, that's still a lot of beer. Yeah. Fortunately, our brewers are, you know, pretty talented and have a good sense of what may work or not. So it's not as much of a risk. But still, if you don't have somewhere to go with that beer, right? But it's, a it's lot also of a, a different thing on your on your scale, like a ten barrel of like, hey, like we made this, and you know, like it's great. Like for for a national brewery, that doesn't necessarily mean that it'd go out into national right production. Like so, yeah. So you want to do, you know, for us, if we're going to try to get anything to, you know, to national distribution. We're not going to enter into the market until we are confident that this is the best example of that beer that, you know, that we can possibly make. And in order to do that, doing that at 10 barrels at a time, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of production that you're, that you're wrapping up in that. So yeah. on the na- having that, you know, that flexibility on the nano scale it really just it really opened us up to, you know, a lot more styles, a lot more ideas, allowed us to be, to, to get, explore that, that creativity. And so some of the beers that have actually made it to full market in the last couple of years started with you doing nano trials. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
one of the big ones that I that I worked on was uh, was New England IPA. Right. And that started that started in the Nano on the old little twenty five gallon system, with uh, tens of yeast trials and individual hop trials, and that's something that's much easier to execute, at least your initial rounds on a small scale. Of course, everything changes as you scale up. It's not this this linear thing to say, hey, we figured this out at 25 gallons, so now 10 barrels, we, you know, we got it dialed in. Only once you really know your systems can you, fig- can you figure out what type of changes it's going to take to get the same results at the next larger volume. But we yeah. can do a lot more. So I'd love to unpack the New England IPA for a minute because the way that that style has come on in the last, like, let's say, it's only like five or six years, mm-hmm. really, that like, you know, like hazy IPA has been a thing, but it, it took off with such veracity and yeah. became the calling card of so many small breweries that are maybe doing 800 barrels a year mm-hmm. and not in the millions of barrels of beer, you know, per year or liquid per year. There's, there's a, there's a, it's not just about the recipe, but it's also about the smallness of a place and sort of the, the quote unquote authenticity of a place. Mm-hmm. When you're a brewery the size of Sam Adams and you're approaching a beer that has gotten basically grassroots support Mm -hmm. or, you know, has the niche of the niche or, you know, the uber beer fan that quite honestly maybe came up on Sam Adams or maybe like their 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 dads or their parents came up on, on, on Boston Lager. When Sam Adams enters into that space, it's almost like, you know. Oh, is dad going through a midlife crisis kind of thing? Like, so, so there's got there's got to be these approaches that you have as a brewer because I, I I I've been drinking your beer for years. Like I know that you know how to make beer, and yeah. like, it's a pleasure to drink your beer. But there's got to be certain there's got to be certain things that you have to be thinking about of when you approach a beer that has sort of captured the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, so so how did so so when it came to New England IPA, like how did you where did you start? How did it go, and where did you wind up? Well, I mean, the f- it really just started with trying to trying to brew the style first, just trying to figure out what does it take to actually make this kind of beer because it was something I'd never done before. Yeah. So you know, obviously doing there, and there wasn't a lot of research out there, like on so many other styles. There, you know, already there's there's much more research out there than there was 20 years ago when I was getting you know, getting getting going, but but for a style like this four or five years ago, there was not a lot of research about how these beers were made. Just people were starting to make them and they were getting popular. So how, you know, figuring out first, how do you achieve that flavor profile? What does it actually take to do it? So kind of flying you know, with not a whole lot of information. So that first figuring out what does it take to get to that style? Then figuring out how do you do it repeatedly? How can you make, and then how do you make it consistent and how do you make it in a way that is true and authentic to brewing? That it's all classic, you know, it's, it's all brewing technique. Nothing about making a beer like this is, is shortcuts. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's nothing like that. How do you make a beer like this just by brewing? Taking your, taking your mash program, taking your yeast choice, your hop choice, everything has to be really deliberate and and reproducible so it's you know there's there's tons of art to getting to the the flavor and the profile but then you've got to figure out the science and how do you how do you make that beer again how do you make that beer you know stable so that when you know when it's in that 
you know, in the can, in the glass, that it is, it looks like the beer people want it to look like. It yeah. tastes like the beer people want it to taste like. It's, it's but, a lot of work. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, right? Because these styles are, if you wanted to, to easily bucket it, it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's hazy, it's citra mosaic. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, or at least it was at some, some point. Some of them, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys do, did you just go out to a, you know, a craft beer cellar or something and just buy a whole bunch of hazies off the shelf and just start drinking them to see what you liked and what you didn't? Was there? Well, that's kind of how I've already always kind of approached, yeah. uh, you know, recipes, just getting to know the style first. I mean, just, just getting to, and when I was trying to write my first professional recipes, you know, you've got to go out and research, you know, you have an idea of what you think you know, what X style is. Well, go and drink 20 of them, drink 30 of them, not all at once, but yeah, yeah, but you know, you've got to drink a lot of them. Take notes, think about, you know, so you can remind yourself, this is what I liked about this one. This is what I like about that one. And from all that, you take your, you take your best impressions and you can create in your mind, the flavor that you want to achieve. So for me, it's always been, I, you know, I go to all the, you know, I take inspiration from every other beer that's out there that I can possibly find and get the best ideas in my head. I figure out then what it is I want in the glass in front of me. And then you got to figure out with all the ingredients, how do I then reverse engineer it? How do I get there? This, this vision that I have for the glass, and it's not any one beer. You're not trying to replicate any other beer, but you're trying to find what is it that I love about this one or that one? What makes it that the quintessential flavor and that's why you wind up with your set of flavors and your unique interpretation. So where did you wind up after doing all these trials or after all these tastings and, and decide, you know, or think to yourself, because I, I, I'm sure there's also a team involved as oh, well. Yes. And there's, you know, there's all sorts of oh, other yeah. you know considerations for, for a brewery size. But like when you came and gave a presentation, when you mm-hmm. said, OK, this is what I think might work. What did that beer taste like I, I i would say what yeah. it, what did it look like but it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be yellow and hazy but like you know but like where did you land uh you know we landed on you know you know yellow hazy of course yeah but you know you know you know tropical juicy really low bitterness uh the really interesting thing analytically with these beers is that you can calculate the recipe to be a certain number of you know ibus but really differently than, you know, most traditionally, you know, hopped, you know, IPAs. Very, you know, you know, bright, aged and cold, you know, cold aging when they're dry hopped and secondary. Your your BUs seem to creep up from the cold side, from from your dry hopping addition, where yeah. they don't in traditional styles. But you still, it's not perceived that way. So you get this a totally different type of hop impact than you get from, you know, dry hopping techniques that we're, that we're all used to doing in, you know, in, you know, in other styles. But in this, you know, analytically, it still shows up differently, but you still are getting the perception of juiciness, flavor, you know, flavor, fruitiness that you don't perceive with another type of application. Yeah. Were there, were there considerations though, because it's one thing if you're doing it on a small system, a 10 barrel or mm-hmm. even the nano system. And I guess as you're scaling it up, you have two breweries, uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. that are and were traditionally lager breweries. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you have to take into consideration in brewing in 
lager breweries when it comes to or I, I, I and, and full disclosure, I've never toured yeah. either of them. So like I you know, but I've heard that there's huge horizontal lager tanks that yeah. you know, and and everybody that I've talked to says uh, they don't necessarily lend themselves to, to IPAs or super hoppy beers. Yeah. So yes and no. I okay. Mean, obviously, yes, you have to you know consider the you know the equipment that you have. Sure. Yeah. But if you are also committed to making the beer, you know, a, a beer, something new, the way that you want it, and you're and you're committed to making a project like that, then you have to look at uh, if the equipment we have won't do that, what is it going to take for us to make this beer? And you know, finding out if if you can't do it, if we couldn't find a way to do it, we weren't going to make the beer. If we couldn't find a way to do it with the equipment we had, and we're not going to change the equipment, we weren't going to make the beer. But if we could make changes, that we you know we we were only going to do it in a way that was going to be able to achieve the beer that we wanted it to be. Not you can't compromise. Is that freedom or pressure? Both. It's it it, it it's both because it's a lot of. There, there's a lot of pressure for the expectations. There's a freedom where you feel like you've got the support to pursue the right beer. You know, get to where you need to be, or it's not. If it's not, if you're not going to make it right, it's not worth making. So yeah, it's kind of both. There's. So where we're at right now. I, I find this kind of interesting because for a long time as a national brewer, you've had or the, the company has had this ability to you want to put out stuff that speaks for itself on the shelf because you can't be hand selling each six pack. You want the brewery reputation to speak for itself. You want you know people mm-hmm. to buy stuff based on uh, the, the strength of the brand. The Boston Tap Room, when you first opened up in Jamaica Plain, I guess now three, four years ago, thereabouts? Two. two years ago? Just two. Okay, so two years and ago. And 2017. <laughs> there was another, no, I was I was drinking there long earlier than that. Maybe, no, I'm sorry, not the one across the street, but the one that was like actually in, like just outside of the 10 barrel system room, like that whole thing. That, that had been around for a couple of years, but that, then like across the street, there was another one. Oh no! That so yeah. no. So the 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 tap room inside the inside the brewery opened up in November of 2017. Okay. And then you're thinking about the the beer keller. Yes. Across, you know, just yes. Right, right across the parking lot where we actually do we move, moved all of our barrel aging over there. Yes. And then we have a small you know okay you know room up there with with ten taps I think it okay. is. So that's not that's not the public tap room. That's I, more of a yeah. I, I'm, I'm using the space. words yeah. interchangeably, yeah, no, but no, no. I, I was thinking of just basically yeah, the, yeah. The, the one that was in you know 30 Germania, yeah. as it were proper. Um, when you start to invite people into your house and they can order off of 10 different taps or 15 or 20 different taps, however many that you have, the whole dynamic changes, oh, right? Yeah. Where like I remember taking the tour. Uh, before I even started writing about beer and it was, you know, like, or, or drinking the beer before, you know, and, and it was like, well, here's your sample of Boston lager. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. And then you sent off and, you know, pat it on the back and then send it off your way. But now it's like, oh, I can feed, you know, I can give feedback. And I'm also old enough that I was drinking before untapped. And now there's people who are sitting in your tap room and they are rating your, no, but yeah. you sign, but, but, but this, but you entering into this space and especially now being in the heart of Boston, you're going to have people who come in with certain level of expectation and they can drink mm-hmm. Boston lager, which is nice to see. And they can drink cherry wheat, which like it tickled me like when I walked in and like, that I could see that here. But you're now also making beers that you want to make 
and that you have the ability to make and that are there's a green tea pale ale downstairs mm-hmm. there's a you know an oaked vanilla porter downstairs there's you know a, a, a peach peach apricot peach IPA, apricot yeah. I, so there's yeah. all these things and it's not just going to be the people who work in the in the buildings around here but this summer it's going to be every american tourist who comes to learn about american history and who has the familiarity of sam adams no matter where they live in this country and they're going to stop in and they're going to try something oh, from your lips to god's ears well on that that's a given all yes. right like given your location and where you guys are and your name like that it's very nice to play <laughs> modest but of course that's what's going to happen where's the pressure now like where do, like where does the expectation where, where are you trying to meet the expectations i guess is the question well, the interesting thing that I want to go back to one thing that you said about, you know, that we you know, finally have a chance to make the beers that you want to make. That was okay. something we were still doing at, you know, in Jamaica Plain. Sure. Before we had the tap room there, even just a couple of years ago, the unfortunate aspect was that we didn't have any avenue to get these beers to people other than in one tap line, one of the, one of the multiple samples that they would get on, on the tour. So yeah. we didn't have an avenue for the creativity of our brewing team. With, with the advent of the tap room, it's given us more opportunities for the creativity that we've already been, you know, already had there to actually, you know, get to the public. I mean, and you know me, I'm, I'm an old pub brewer. Yeah. I have, you know, I've spent a lot of years, you know, working, you know, in, in pubs and just serving, you know, seeing my beers go out right across the bar. And that's something that, that I really enjoy. And that's, that is sort of the, the goal here is we're not, you know, in this tap room, we're not looking for, developing products that are necessarily going to go national that's not that's not the goal here the goal and the and the interest is to again foster that spirit of of innovation that is that is at the heart of the samuel adams brand you know back back in the beginning bringing better beer to you know to america and americans and even just look at the evolution in the early years i think about even when i was a drinker and i was just home brewing in the 90s before i ever thought of getting into the industry i remember double bach evolving to triple bach oh, yeah. evolving to millennium eventually utopia just that, that yeah. seeing that kind of no one hardly anyone was doing that kind of thing at that time it was that was unheard of and that's the spirit of innovation that this company has had and that's what we get what what we're going to get to do here like something, if you if we've got an idea, you know, a flavor that that think is going to play well in with the type of ingredients that are available in you know making making beer, we can do that. What was your path to become a brewer? Well, my first career, my education and first career was as a classical musician. So I spent, I've got uh, two degrees in clarinet performance from Boston University. So I've been here in Boston for the off and on the better part of the past 32 years <laughs> when I do that math well it's <laughs> but it's it, it's a it's a city I love but I so I've I've got my degrees in music I spent five years in the U.S. Navy band in Washington D.C. right as a performer and when I left the Navy I was looking for you know another career eventually but I wasn't sure what it was going to be as a having been a performing artist, I was incredibly lucky and fortunate enough to be able to take the talent and hard work that I, the talent I had, the hard work I put in into that career, and actually make a living. You know, actually have it as as a career. 
so I grew up with this uh, sort of naive concept that you get to do something you love for a living, which doesn't always pay the bills in in reality. Yeah. But I was really fortunate enough to have, you know, you know, the hard work, the good luck, all that, all that conversion to being able to make make that career. Uh, when I was looking for a transition after after an injury, I. Uh, I had already been home brewing for about 10 years and it was the only other thing for which I felt I had a passion that was similar. The, the creativity, the influence of, you know, of art and math and science all together, the whole alchemy of it and even connecting with an audience. You know, it's a, it's this, this beer in this glass is it's performance art. It is another interpretation of a, you know, Brahms Third Symphony. How many how many orchestras have performed that symphony and you really need another performance of it? And you've got a whole group of people thinking that you do, that there's something unique to say. And that's why, you know, this this wit beer that I'm drinking right now. How many beautiful wit beers are there out there? Hundreds, probably even more. Yeah. But I've hoped that I've got something unique to say that may reach someone that I'll be proud of that will maybe not be the there's no way to say there's an objective best of any of any of it but some you know something something special there's still something unique to contribute to to that and that's that's why we do this that's why for me the transition from artist to brewer felt very it makes sense one of the things that i'm really fascinated about is the intangibles when it comes to brewing it's, it's, you know, I often ask people of, you know, how do you know when dot, 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 or what was your first, how did, how do you hope a beer speaks to somebody? A beer that you've yeah. made. That's, that is the intangible. I, I can't put it into words. I can't, I, one of the things, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this is one of the ways when you have someone who finds a flavor that's outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. When, when you've actually, you, you, you take someone outside their comfort zone, whether it is they think they're not a beer drinker overall, or whether they prefer a certain range of flavors, and you give them something outside of that range, and they taste it and say, wow, that is something I never expected to like, and I really do. I can't even say what it is about it, but I find myself liking this thing that I, that I never expected, whether it's because of you, you, you helped encourage them to go down a path to get a step outside their comfort zone or just there's something, you, know, you awaken something it's, it, you know, in, in a sensory way. It, those are the types of things that are you know, just the intangibly rewarding moments. So over your brewing career, uh, you've been a pub brewer for most of it. Most of it, yes. Yeah. You've also had the ability to start a place or start at a place uh, where you're building a system from the ground up, where mm-hmm. you're building a program from the ground up. And, yes. and you were at Blue Jacket in D.C. Uh, you were at Wormtown uh, when they did their expansion uh, mm-hmm. out, uh, I guess. Is that, is that Central Mass? Like, not even ah, like, it's, it's, not it's even still like Boston Worcester, suburb. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Central Worcester. Yeah, Central Worcester. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and now here uh, at, at, at this space, what have you learned 
along the way of creating essentially something from nothing. Like there, there's a yeah. vision. All of the places have had a vision. Like, oh, we want to give beer to the people, or oh, we want to make money, or oh, we want to brew great beer, or, like whatever it is. But you've been there in the architect meetings. Mm-hmm. You've been there in the recipe development. You've been there. Is there a takeaway? Is there... It's hard. Is there a common thread? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hard. It never turns out exactly the way that you that you want it to or expect it will. But it's always going to turn out in a way that's amazing and remarkable. If you think things... You're, you're always going to feel like something goes wrong. And it will. But... You, but you find you find ways to cope with it that aren't total workarounds. You know, it's, you, you've got to be you, you've got to be you know creative and have that ingenuity to look at spaces. All, all the spaces that that I've worked in in these in, in these uh, build outs have been complicated yeah. at best. Uh, the Wormtown space Sounds was like an old be- car dealership. Yeah, yeah. The Blue Jacket space was an old shipbuilding building. Yeah. yeah. I, it, this uh, the, the space here at the Sam Adams Tap Room was uh, multi-level sort of underground, and we built it up to actually be, you know, a street level with multiple levels inside, but be a street level entrance, captivating everyone who walks by. So we had to, you know, we had to reinvent that space. Yeah. And all those places, you've got to take an, you know, a, a space of origin that was not designed or conceived of for being a brewery, and make it fit yeah you know, make it work what's the reward what's the i don't know like what, what what's been the key takeaway like as you've done all of this like because like anybody can start a brewery and people mm-hmm. have i mean you've been there for you know multiple companies like you know from the ground up you know like designing stuff like what like what is the what like when do you know it's worked or like what's the the inner sense of pride that you have well, and be boastful yeah. because like because like, you make great beer like I, I, i'm not going to be even shy about like trying to play like cool reporter on this whole thing like like i've known you for years i've been drinking your beer for years like you make great beer you know but like you also have this like fun analytical mind of like putting things together and like it's touring as many breweries as i do it's like, oh, cool. There's your fermenters and your hoses and everything. But like every time I get to hang out with you and like you're showing me stuff, like you you still bring a passion to this every single day. Like when you're showing, like you're you're excited to be here, or yeah. at least it seems. Yeah, like I don't know, I, I don't know if it's still performance art. <laughs> like it's you know like, ha ha ha, and then you're you know Pagliacci in the background or something. But like, you know. No, I, I hang mean, on. I, let's just I, give I everybody a second to go to Wikipedia <laughs> to look up Pagliacci. And say Pagliacci, and yeah, that, yeah, it's like yeah, oh, it's opera what. <laughs> Everybody uh, knows it from Watchmen. It's fine. Um, yeah. No, I, I do, and I think that's. I mean, that that's that's something again that I'm lucky that I still I still have that still have that passion. I mean, there have been times where I've thought of you know, like maybe you know doing more management, less brewing, whatever, and I always kind of come back to as much as my you know back and feet and neck and shoulders and everything are still sore i just kind of love doing the work uh, actually actually creating creating something i mean so you you also asked about sort of the big the takeaway yeah. and how, how do you what's the proudest that you feel or what makes you feel like something's a success and 
you know, I can't say it about this tap room yet, but looking at places like, you know, Blue Jacket and Wormtown, or even Cambridge Brewing, where you know I, you know, didn't start a place from the ground up, but just yeah. worked for a very long time and helped set a, you know, helped kind of set a standard. When you leave a place and you see it still succeed, when you feel like you actually have contributed to, especially the places that we helped build from the ground up when you, you see it flourish and you know, you know that you had something to do with that. You had a hand in getting it set up, getting it started, getting it to a point where you could, you could uh, just transition to when you leave, it's still successful. Yeah. It's not just, it's not about, it's not about an individual. It's about a whole, pr- it's about a process and a mindset and a, an ethic. And see to see that live on is that's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I just, I I remember uh, having head up uh, heading up magazines in the past, and then after I've left places, uh, you you say the person who who's leaving says to the person who's coming in, uh, leave it better than you found it. Yeah, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you were at Blue Jacket, or when Blue Jacket was getting ready to open. Uh, there was a craft brewers conference that happened down in DC and there was a beer that was on tap at uh, church key and it was called snack attack. And I remember that I was hanging out on the corner of the bar and somebody goes, you have to taste this beer. It tastes like cracker jacks. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. And in 2020 saying that, like everybody's like, Oh, I just put cracker jacks in it. But this was like seven years ago, maybe or thereabouts. Yeah. And it, this was a, an uncommon thing. And mm-hmm. so I tasted it and you get all of the, you get the roasted peanuts and you get the, the caramel and you get the popcorn and you get the, you know, like, I, everything in there. And I was like, well, well who makes this? And it's like, Oh, it's a collaboration. But you know, like Megan yeah. Parisi like spearheaded this and it's, it's, it's amazing. And, um, and I think we started talking like, like in and around night, that yeah. time. And cause I was blown away by this. And I, as somebody who drinks a lot of beer, I don't often remember people are like, oh, yeah, you had our IPA a couple years ago and you said you liked it. I was like, cool. Like, yeah, I'm I'm sure I believe you. And I'm sure I said that in the moment. I don't remember a lot of specific beers that I've only had one time. I remember that beer. And walking in here today, and it's worth pointing out that we're we're sitting here recording. It's coming up on four o'clock. You guys are about an hour and 15 minutes away from opening up to the general public. So Mm -hmm. first of all, thanks for having me here. Um, But... You had a Moscow Mule. You have a vanilla oaked porter that I was saying before. You have these beers that uh, are either in development uh, that we were talking about before uh, or already on tap that mimic something else. And that's something that I think a lot of people do these days, except like, you know, it's like, oh, here's our peep inspired beer, except like we threw in, you know, a thousand pounds worth of peeps. There's not much challenge in that. And anybody who listens to Steal the Spear knows Augie tries to build recipes that, like, are inspired by and based on and not just throwing in the final result. Mm-hmm. How do you approach those beers? I that was, like, a long-winded. Yeah, was- like, I know. I, I was, just, I was like, fan. I was being a <laughs> fanboy for a second. I'm really sorry. It's uh, I'm going to edit most of that out because people are like, God, your questions suck. It's like, where do we? Where are we? Yeah, where are we no. again? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Welcome back to the Dogfish Head Power Hour. It's uh, I'm your host, Sam. Um, I don't even know what that means. No, seriously. Uh, so he's on a roll. Yes. Folks. Stop. 
Is how do you approach these beers? Like if you want, if you if you find a flavor that you're inspired by, where do you start? It's got to taste like a beer. That and that and that. It's just going back to Snack Attack. That was the, what I was going to say to you earlier about the biggest compliment I got on that beer. That we uh, when I was at Blue Jacket, we brewed that with Funky Buddha and Cigar City. Yeah, that was a collaboration with those guys, and this was when Funky Buddha still had their you know super tiny. They mm-hmm. were super nano at that time. Yeah, and this, so this was twenty. 20- well, still. Yeah, I, think. I mean, it's before a, like anybody yeah, was, was a, bought or was right. buying people. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that 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 was a blast. But we all approached it as brewers, thinking how to use ingredients to get these flavors. Use the ingredients that you could use in a beer to you know to make beer. Not, you know, we we didn't throw in, you know, you didn't throw in any particular snack. We thought about. You know, what you know what are those you know, movie theater snacks and how do you get those flavors how do you use you know special be you know malt to get that get that raisin character we aged on you know you know uh, dry roasted peanuts you know uh, and the you know little you know chocolate so that you can get that chocolate roasted you know that that chocolate covered peanut kind of note but how do you get these flavors and still have it taste like a beer and that was a compliment I got from someone another brewer and looked at me and just said yeah that beer was, you know, that beer, I got all these flavors, uh, all those types of things that you were trying to get, and it's still finished like a beer. Yeah. And to me, that that is the goal when I go for these flavors, that, you know, the, you, it needs to still, you, you need to still know that it's a beer. For that, for me, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of my feeling. Like, you know, with, with the Moscow Mule, the, you know, the cocktail inspiration, that's been a, like I said, a little pet project of mine, because I love beer, I love cocktails. This isn't a, you know, a cocktail beer but it's a it's a beer that's inspired by it so how do you get those flavors no one's going to think man i'm having a moscow mule but it's a beer but you're going to but you're going to if you like the flavors of a moscow mule if you can you know get the achieve that in a beer and still know that it's a beer i find that that that's kind of that that that's where i want to head with these when people come in and so this goes back to the performance artists as we start to wrap up here. But like, so this whole place is windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three levels of it mm-hmm. seem to be a lot of windows. And your brew deck uh, faces, what's this? Is this Congress? Yeah, Congress Street on, on that outside. Right. And then Faneuil Hall uh, Courtyard. Right. And, uh, and true to style, you have the, uh, the, the Sam Adams statue uh, right outside. You uh, have a cold Sam Adams right outside. It's... <laughs> Because it's winter, uh, try selling that in July. We I got know. hot Sam Adams. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. you guys are Skip making that. Stein beer, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's Stein beer. Fantastic. This is gonna be great. Um, but yeah, so so your office, quote unquote, because uh, most of this is built for for retail and or brewing. Uh, and or fermentation. Uh, you're, you have a, a corner office. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. a corner office. Uh, which is a laptop <laughs> on a desk, uh, essentially, or like on a table. On a stainless table right. that was extra. That looks out to the public. Yes. So I remember talking to Rich Michaels, uh, who's at Frog Alley oh, now. Yeah. He used to be at Saranac, mm-hmm. uh, who spent a lot of time at the Disney uh, Big River Brewery down in like Epcot uh, mm-hmm. years ago. And he said that he would come in at 5 a.m. and that he'd be done, you know, like, you know, going out at, you know, like 8 a.m. before, like, hours before it would open to the public because he just didn't want, like, kids knocking on the window and things like that. 
Are you guys going to be brewing when people are here? Are you going to oh, yeah. be brewing for people to see? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I okay. mean, even I mean, I, not just like the 5 a.m. No. drunks coming home. No, like not, it's just, gonna yeah, be not the, just the yeah. end of the night shift. Yeah. It's like that Vegas shift when you're, like, yeah. you're from the East Coast. You know, you're, you're going down the elevator when people are going up. Yeah. Uh, no, it, we're, we'll definitely be, you know, be brewing while, you know, while people are here. I mean, even uh, we'll, you know, we'll open at 11 a.m. And even when um, I start at, you know, 7, I, most days will probably be double brew days just because yeah. you've got to be efficient you've got to keep your system moving but yeah i'll be i'll, I'll be brewing it this, this isn't just for show this is this is a working brewery so i'll be working yeah and my oh, and my uh, my fellow brewer wade will you know will be working here in the tr- in the trenches how much will that play into what you want people to come away from the experience like it, 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 you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. people are going to be coming in. Like, this is going to be a tourist destination. I mean, mm-hmm. it, Jamaica Plain, I think, was already in like the top five of like Boston yeah. tourism thing. And so you, you go see the, you know, the ship. You go see Faneuil Hall, where we are right now. You yeah. go see, you know, like all 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 of like the fun historical stuff, and then you go drink drink beer. But the education, I think, has to be paramount as well, right? And that's what so many of like the smaller tap rooms have done is that yeah. like you can meet the brewer, you can see. The process was was that a conversation that you had? Yeah, and that is going to be part you know part of our programming. Ooh, that's we a actually Lager. will be brick red. Oh, that's brick red. Yeah, that's not a that that's too dark for. It's too dark. Yeah, that that's yeah. Yep, I know. <laughs> I have almost, I'd say about ninety eight percent been able to nail the beers that people have had in their glasses. Just on SRMs. Just just. SRM, just hey oh haze, just kind of figuring out, just knowing these beers that we have on right now. It's like, oh, you're drinking. Are you drinking that? Yes. All right. I think so. This is, your brick, this is your That's brick. This is your brick red. Brick just red. Did. Okay. Yeah. Which is only available in Boston. In Boston. Okay. Oh God, where were we? I got totally got off track. Oh yes. Education. Education. So to yeah, the part, consumer. Yeah, part of the programming that that uh, that we want to introduce here is having uh, we've got this innovation table yeah. that is right outside the brewers, uh, you know, the brew house or what I am affectionately calling the fishbowl, since it's right because it is it right. I is. mean, it really is. It really is. Like people are looking at you from inside from the outside it's kind of a fishbowl effect um so and that's and that was like rich's thing right like yeah. where he just didn't want to necessarily be having a bad day or coming in like after a late night that's and what the being... seller's for <laughs> it's also really cool in the summer and you can go and take a nap and yeah. relax yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but, but you have the this, table at this at this innovation table uh we'll we'll actually you know people will have the opportunity to you know kind of go through uh you know a, a bit of a guided flight yeah uh you know and we, you know with you know, with you know some of our you know some of our staff you know our you know our, our beer tenders and you know and the brewers i mean it all depends on everyone's schedules but there will be regular regular offerings of these these innovation tastings so that people can get oh sorry gonna sneeze nope <coughs> we can either okay. yeah but bless you because <coughs> tight. they travel in pairs that's Whew. i'm usually three so like <sighs> that's that's good on you you, all right. You, you good? Yeah, I'm just making sure you that sure? it's only two. All right. Hey, I'll, let, I'll let you know. You'll all know. All right. We can either edit that out or we'll just keep it in because it's keep, fun. But yeah. that's fine. Um, all right. There we go. So it's yeah. real radio, folks. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we're really talking here. <laughs> but so so people will be able to go through and they'll be able to taste and they'll be able to be able to taste and be able to get a little through. bit of you know a little bit of you know information education. So so it's not just it, it's not being lectured to. But it's it's it'll be small group. I think maximum of you know 
six people, I think it yeah. is. I mean, we're still going to be working this out, but you know, sort of you know, guided tastings, and then it's a, also a chance to interact. You know, ask you know, ask questions if you have them, but it's a, ch- a chance to get you know, just learn just a little more, and you know, you know, find out something you didn't know, and also learn a more a little more, especially about you know, some of the you know, the more innovative styles. It's mostly going to be drinks here. Yes. There's a kitchen, but. Right, we're not a, we're not in the restaurant business. So our kitchen our kitchen is going to be you know, is going to be producing you know, you know a different sandwich every day. So okay. like you know and they'll you know it'll be a regular one. So every Monday you're going to get your you know you're, you're going to get your BLT. I can't remember what the, all the offerings sure, are. that's fine. But I know that I'm looking forward to Monday. BLT Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah, and and kind of a roast pork on Thursdays. Okay. I know. And being a Philly girl, I'm kind of, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a tough judge of that one. Do you think? Do you think of? Beer pairings with that, like, has there were, were there conversations between well, I've the kitchen been, and the brew house? Yeah, we've been talking about you know either you know beer pairings. We're going to do beer and cheese, okay. But also looking at you know ways to incorporate the ingredients into you know into the cooking. Like for we just had a week of soft opening events, okay. And I gave our chef some work. There we go. <coughs> there we go. There are number three. I, I gave our chef some wort from uh, a hoppy red ale that I did, you know, pre pre hopping, just so it's just just all sugar, you know, just all all the unhopped wort. Yeah. And he wound up using it as the as the sweetening for a whipped cream. Oh. That fun. was served with a cookie. Yeah. But just there, you know, a little powdered sugar just for consistency. But sure. But now that you have your fishbowl, now that you have your 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 uh, what's it? It's a five hack. Yeah, five hectoliter. Right, uh, system, and it's and it's a, it's a really it's a beautiful system, oh, it's and a it's I kit. mean it's just it. I'm sure every brewer who has been through here already, and Tommy Arthur was walking through from the Lost Abbey before, and he was bug eyed the entire time. Uh, everybody's going to be impressed with that kind of thing. Where do you want to take this system? Like where wait wait like where like like where do you want to run this? What do you want to? I want to see what it can do. Yeah. Every, you know, everything. The whole. I mean, I, I can't wait to make some. You know, super traditional lagers, and you know, but not Boston and, lager. You guys aren't going to make Boston lager. Correct. Here. We're not going to make Boston lager because we're focused on. You know, we're focused on. You know, on new recipes here. On on brewing new recipes here. The system is fairly small. You know, five hectoliter is yeah. not a big system. Our our tanks, our fermenters are all. You know, ten hectoliter. So everything will be a double batch. But that's still not a, that's not a lot of beer. So we've got you know we've got plenty you know plenty of access to Boston Lager. So you know my focus is going to be on you know on you know new innovative styles or and also you know other classic styles that aren't nece- that aren't in our repertoire already. So you know if we have styles that you know maybe are you know are a big hit, they might become regulars. But we're looking at a lot of rotation at this point. But you know there will certainly be some right, you know right now in the in you know in fermenter or you know in in rue aging. I've got there's a Schwartz beer that we did yeah, have a little uh, a little tanks. taste off the yeah. tank. A little bit that there's some hazy pale ales going on. There's a uh, a strong Belgian blonde. There's there's a little bit of everything right and, now. And clean beer mostly. You're, yes. You're, this isn't going to become a wild house. Or... I would I would love to have that opportunity. And of course, it's something I'm going to look at. You know, as as we get to know the space better, see. But but if if you're if you're playing with with wild with wild stuff, you've got to be just you know super. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's not just about hygiene. You you do everything you can to to segregate. Uh, you know, clean and wild so that you don't have any cross-contamination. And it's, it's the type of stuff that keeps you up at night as a brewer. If, 
<laughs> it really does. But it's something, if, it's, if we can ever figure out, as we get to know the space better, a, you know, a way to do that, that would be, that's still, a, it's still a goal, but I still got, I've got to get to know, I've got to get to know the house better. Yeah. I hope people come and visit you here. I, I, I don't I think so that you're going to have a problem, like actually getting people walking through and, you know, uh, in an hour. Yeah. We, yeah. You guys open like literally an hour from oh as, as we're wrapping this up. So I'll let you go, uh, uh, get ready for your adoring public. Uh, people should come by and visit. Uh, don't bang on the glass. But please feed the brewer. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can you can always feed the bring, brewer. Bring the brewer bring snacks. snacks. Yeah, but don't well, but well, don't bang on the glass. We have snacks here, but you yeah. can you can bring bring chocolate. Uh, perfect. Thanks so much. I, I thank, thank you, John. You, especially on today, I, I know you're busy. So thanks so much for for hanging out. And it's for, always a pleasure to this. see you and talk beer. Same here. Thanks so much. Cheers. That's Megan Parisi of Samuel Adams in the new taproom and brewery in Boston's Faneuil Hall, just outside of, yep, the Sam Adams statue. Being there on the first day, it was open to the public. I have to say that it was great fun to watch all of the excitement that was going on, not only by the staff, but by the public. With about 15 minutes to opening the doors, there's already a large group gathered outside. 30 minutes after that, the place was nearly full. Next time you're in town, you should go check it out. And now, a little housekeeping. Subscribing and even leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice goes a long way to helping other people find the show. Do you like what you hear? Do you have suggestions? Do you want to tell me about someone you think I should get on mic? Drop me a note at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or join me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, Andy Crouch will probably be at the Sam Adams Tap Room at some point one of these days. And if you want to learn more about advertising on this show and other Beer Edge products, drop Ryan Newhouse a note at ryan at beeredge.com. And speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar is a group of brick-and-mortar craft beer retail stores and, in some states, tap rooms, offering amazing beer, hospitality, and beer education. Beer geeks are welcome. Beer is a creation of craft, hundreds of years old, still evolving. Its creators are artisans, fusing simple ingredients to create something inspiring, eye-opening, and revolutionary. Craft beer is more than ABV and IBUs. It's about passion, community, craft, and beer love. Beer love is at the core and center of every craft beer cellar. Visit a craft beer cellar location near you. You'll find them in 15 states across the U.S. For hours and directions to a craft beer cellar, visit craftbeercellar.com. And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. And that's it. That's the show for this week. New episodes release each Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and think beer. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Hall. Cheers. Cheers.